So let's get it, let's get it, let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kit Podcast. I'm your humble and uh, highly favorite host, Isaiah Kit. Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 134, episode 134. Book it, book it. How's everybody doing out there? It's a nice day out there. Fourth of July is coming up. Um, we... Fourth of July is coming up. That's tomorrow. But uh, tomorrow is also the one-year anniversary of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid Podcast. is the one-year anniversary of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. It's one year. One year ago, I started, I did my first episode on this podcast. So tomorrow, the fourth, would make it one whole year of me podcasting, of this episode. Oh, I mean, of this podcast, excuse me, <laughs> of this podcast, 134 episodes later, and this is what we got. Welcome back. So thank you guys for, you know, sticking with me, sticking in with, with me, continuing to listen to the pod. Obviously, we got bigger. Obviously, we got more listeners. Obviously, um, the content is good. We've been having a great year with sports, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. We have done it. Social issues, we attacked it. So, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Cam Newton. And he, like I, I told you guys this earlier in the week. On the, on, on the previous episode. He's interesting. He's very interesting. But let me show you. I'm a, I'm in, I've just been, you know, reading stories. Listening up, you know, listening to different shows and what they're saying about Cam and them reacting on Cam. And I'm getting two different perspectives. First, the media, the media's perception of Cam is Cam going to New England with the media. It's like a revelation. It's it, it, it's like, you know, everybody has New England as the third best team behind Kansas City in Baltimore in the AFC. So the. The media is going crazy. They're, the media is very high on Cam. It, but rightfully so, Cam is interesting. He's interesting and he's talented. But then I looked at Vegas and I saw what like I saw the like the win total. So before Cam, and let me just tell you this, Vegas perceptions on perception on Cam, he's a little better than Jared Stidham. Vegas, this is Vegas, the Patriots. Wins and losses. The Patriots over and under, according to Vegas, before Cam was nine. After they signed Cam, it went up to nine and a half. So Vegas is basically telling you, uh, he's not, 
He's a little bit, he's better than Jarek Stidham, but not that, but not by that much. Not by that much. He's a little better than Jarek Stidham. That is what Vegas is telling you. And what the media is telling you is, hey, is this. Cam, he, he ultimately puts, he ultimately puts the Patriots as the third best team in the AFC, in the AFC. That's what the media is, that's what the media is telling you. And Vegas is telling you something different. I fall right in between that. Cam Cam Newton, he's interesting. He's very interesting. He has a great star appeal. He's very popular throughout social media. This generation has loved him. A lot of a lot, he has a lot of fans dating back all the way to Auburn and him winning a national championship. Him winning a, a, a Heisman. He has a lot of fans behind him, and he had the one standout 2015 year. But now, nine years into the NFL, nine years into his professional career, Cam seems much, he seems interesting more than talented. And I'm not saying he's not talented. He has great measurables. He's found about 6'5", 6'6", 250. He has great measurables and, and still somewhat athletic. I don't think he's as athletic as, he, you know, nine years ago. But I think he's still somewhat athletic than most. He's, he's athletic than most. So I think Cam is more, he's more interesting than talented. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm kind of siding with Vegas because I don't, with the media, I think, you know, certain, not, and that's not everybody in the media, but there's certain media members that, you know, that they think this Cam Newton move to New England is a revelation. With this Cam to New England, I think it's more nine and seven. Uh, and I'm going to tell you how interesting Cam is. First, these and Vegas came out with the odds. Vegas came out with the odds. And these are, you know, Vegas projected the Patriots nine and a half wins. That's the over and under. I'm going under because I say nine and seven. And then they have him, Vegas predicting him throwing 22 touchdowns. With about 3,200 passing yards and 550 rushing yards or so. So that's what Vegas, that, that Vegas predicted the Patriots stat line. Or they predicted the Patriots wins and they predicted Cam's stat line. Now, mind you, everybody like, I mean, a lot of people in the media likes, they just love the, we love the bang on Brady and Brady and how bad of a year Brady had. But Brady, when he won 12 games last year. He had a completion percentage of 60. He threw for 4,000 yards with 24 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Those num that Brady's numbers last year, if, if, if Cam puts up numbers that Vegas is projecting him to do, which I think is about fair. I think, I think that's about fair to say. He'll probably have, he'll probably have more passing yards. But th that stat line that Vegas predicted, I think that's about fair. So... And so Brady's stats are better, but we are so fascinated with Cam, and I get it. Cam's interesting. He's polarizing, but it's it's just we got we got we got so tired and so bored of the Tom Brady story. Cam is such a, a polarizing figure. He's a he's a good he's still a he's still a decent talent. He's a starting quarterback in this league, no doubt about it. I think he's good enough to be a starter. 
and he's such a he's such a popular figure around the the league uh with players and fans and and some media members we are so interested in the story but cam and his numbers and his production with new england his projected production it's it, it's not that it's it's not a revelation i think he i think that if he if you know if he has good if he has numbers of such you know of such that caliber I think that would be enough to you know for, to show teams Cam was productive. He won the Patriots nine games. He he looked he was healthy. That was, that's all I said. This job for Cam Newton with the Patriots, th- this is not a long term investment because I can I can date back a couple I can date back a few years ago. Bill Belichick went out and signed Stephon Gilmore to a long term deal. Since then. With, with Stephon Gilmore's man-to-man coverage skills and Belichick's great defensive mind, Belichick since then already had planned with Stephon Gilmore with Stephon Gilmore's man-to-man man-to-man coverage skills. He decided that he's going to build his defense around Stephon Gilmore, and that's what he has done, and it has worked out. But with this Cam, he was on the open market. For a couple months, Carolina let him go. The league didn't pick him up. Nobody else in the league was interested but the Browns and the Patriots. The Patriots went out, obviously went out and went and went out and signed him. But this whole Bella, like this is not a long term thing. This is a short term thing. Like I said, what Cam should do, his main focus, his expectations for Cam, expectations for Cam shouldn't be win playoff games with the Patriots. It shouldn't be coming third. Like, no, because it's not going to happen. I don't think they have the offensive weaponry to do that. Cam loved Greg Olsen in Carolina. Cam has no reliable tight end in New England. Cam, you know, Cam, he he likes to throw the deep ball. There's no deep threats in New England. Julian Elman led the league in drops last year. So, So, this should not be... Oh, the Patriots are going to go to, they can go as far as the AFC Championship game. Now, those, those expectations are just out of the window, in my opinion. They're just out of the window. They're just, they're just out of the window. With, his, with Cam's athletic ability, yes, he will. He, the Patriots offense will look a little bit different because Cam is going to, he's going to have something. He's going to have his legs. He's going to have his athleticism. Brady can't do that, obviously. Brady can't do that. So Cam is going to add a different layer to the Patriots offense. But I don't think that different layer is going to put them over the top so much that they overcome the that Cam and that offense overcome the lack of offensive weapons. I just don't I just don't see it. I don't I do not see it. And I said it on the I said it on the previous episode. I said Cam's main goals should be trying to stay healthy. Get the starting job. I think most people, it's most likely a start. But staying healthy and being productive. Because this, this year with the Patriots, it's an audition for his next job. And actually, I had the Patriots schedule set up right in front of me. Like I said, Vegas, Vegas had the Patriots win total at 9. That was their over and under. Vegas had the Patriots at nine. That was their over and under. Since signing Cam, Vegas has moved it up to nine and a half. 
So Vegas is basically telling you, yes, Cam is better than Jarek Stidham, but not by that much. So let's go, let's 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 just go down, let's just go down what games are gonna win. Like the their schedule. Okay, so Miami. The first week is gonna be against Miami. It's gonna be at Foxborough. Now, granted, now granted, Miami went up to Foxborough and beat New England, but this is Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Uh, Belichick usually he usually feasts on first and second year quarterbacks. Belichick feasts on second and on first year and second year quarterbacks. So I think I think the Patriots will win that game. Um, then the second week they had to go to Seattle. That's a loss. Uh, I'm not sure about Oakland. I mean, the Raiders, they had, they play the Raiders week three. Uh, that's going to be, in, that's going to be at Foxborough with the Raiders. Um, I, I'm just not sure about the quarterback situation there. Uh, I like, I like Derek Carr. I like him. I like him a little bit, but I don't know. I'm not sure if John Gruden likes him. So I think the Patriots win that game. Then the next week they got to go to Kansas city. That's a loss. Like, like let's, let's just get that out the window. Once again, Belichick is playing the Denver Broncos at Foxborough. Belichick has had some he's has, he's had his success against the Broncos. Plus, Drew Locke is a second-year quarterback. Belichick feasts on second and first-year quarterbacks. So I think that's a win for New England. So by the time week six comes up, New England is three and two. Then after their bye week, week seven. They go to they, they they play San Francisco. That's a loss. Week eight, they play Buffalo at Buffalo. I think that's a loss. So the three and four, they go to the Jets. I think this will be a crucial game for New England. Plus, New England, plus Sam Donald just has not played well against New England and Belichick's defense. So I'm gonna give New England that win. They're four and four. Then they play, they play Baltimore. I think that's a loss. Baltimore, I think that's a loss. Um, hold, okay. So they beat Buffalo. So this is so far. So far, this is what we have. Miami, week one, W. Seattle at week two, that's a loss. Raiders week three, that's a W. Kansas City at week Kansas City week four at Kansas City, that's a that's a loss. Denver at Foxborough, that's a win. San Francisco at Foxborough, that's a loss. At Buffalo, that's a win. And then at the Jets, that's a win. So the only thing I did was switch around the wins uh with uh with with Buffalo. I think I think New England, Josh Allen has struggled with New England and Sam Donald has struggled with New England. So by that time, so by week ten, they'd be five and four. Then they play Baltimore. Five and five. That's a loss. Like what I'm not even gonna waste my time. That's a loss. At Houston. Now, Bill O'Brien and the Texans beat Tom Brady and the Patriots last year. I think the Patriots will go to Houston and, and they will seek revenge. I think they win that game. So it'd be they'd be six and five. Then they play Arizona. Second year quarterback in, in, in second year quarterback in Kyler Murray. I think New England wins that game and that's a home game. And that'll be November 29th. So the weather might be a little shaky. So I think that's a win. The Patriots are seven and five by this time. So this is a tough stretch. Going into December, they played a, they played both LA teams back to back times on the road. I think they win against the Chargers. 
And I think they lose against the Rams. I think Aaron Donald and that pass rush be which it would be it just be too much. And plus, that's a, that's a very tough stretch playing back to back LA teams both times in LA. I think they'll they'll lose one of those games. I think they'll lose this game, the the Rams game. Then they go to Miami. I think they beat Miami, and then they win the last two. That will put them at nine and seven. They the last two games are against Buffalo and the Jets. I think they win. I think they win those two games. They win those two games. So we're talking a nine and seven record. A nine and seven record with the with the Patriots. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Nine and seven. Because you know, with Cam, you know, I, I, I like Cam. I, I you know, I'm glad that he got a job. I thought he was a I, I definitely thought he was a starter in the league. I definitely thought he was a starter. When people, you know, people some people think he's not a starter. No, I think he's a starter. But the big thing with Cam this year, he's going to have to stay healthy. Um, you know, he got a bad foot. He got a bad shoulder. And, you know, with that shoulder, he, with his throwing mechanics, he relies on his arm. It's a lot of arm usage in his throwing mechanics. So that shoulder got to be right. But if Cam is healthy, I think he's 9-7. I, I think he can go 9-7. and 9-7 seven. Nine and seven when Cam is healthy. I'll be back after the quick break. I got a Ford Mustang. It drives well. Got it for graduation, actually. Ford's unique family heritage, manufacturing excellence, and history of innovation is continuing to further the brand. Ford is also introducing new customer service actions aimed at making vehicle ownership easier and hassle-free. So go get your Ford today. Ford. Go forward. But yeah, about that Cam and New England thing, I, I, you know, they're definitely much more entertaining and they're going to be interesting to watch. Before, because prior to Cam, where everybody kept, you know, trying to tell me, oh, Belichick loves Jerk Stidham. I'm like, uh, I mean, he don't seem like it. But it didn't, you know, so Jerick Stidham, I just, I just don't know how interesting he is. I think, you know, I just don't know how intrigued I would be. I wouldn't be intrigued to turn on a Patriots game. I wouldn't be intrigued. I'd probably watch a couple, I'd probably watch a game. You know, I see him play for a quarter or two. And I'm like, if he's not spectacular, it's like, oh, I turn, I turn the channel. I go to the next game. But with Cam... He brings a wow factor. He brings excitement. He's going to bring a different feel to the game. Um, and Patriot fans, like offensively, they're going to see something different. So he is interesting in that fact and mixed with his talent. But, I, you know, I just look at teams across the AFC. You know, of course, Baltimore and, and Kansas City. But you look at teams like... Uh, Buffalo in their own division. Buffalo had one of the better defenses in the league last year, and they got Stephon Diggs, and they have a young quarterback who's going to get better. You know, you have teams like Miami who got, like, these are teams in their division. Miami got better, drafted to a tongue of uh, Pittsburgh, they have a good, Pittsburgh has a really good roster. We still got to see what Ben Roethlisberger looks like. You know, coming off his injury. But last time I saw Ben Roethlisberger, he threw for 5,000 yards. (laughs) He led the league in passing yards. Last time I saw Ben Roethlisberger. So, we, you know, Cleveland has a really good roster. Uh, Houston, you know, with Deshaun Watson and the crew, Houston, they're bound to be there waiting. I have a sleeper team in the Denver Broncos. So, 
you know, when, when people say, oh, they should be the third best team in the AFC. And I'm like, oh, no. I, I, I just, like, the media just sees it as a revelation. I don't. And some of you guys may consider me media, but, hey, I, I don't consider it a revelation. I don't. I don't consider it a revelation. But let's move on to the next topic. So earlier this week, Bill Simmons came out and said, hey, LeBron to the Knicks 10 years ago when LeBron made the decision to go to Miami, Bill Simmons said everybody, you know, every, according to, you know, everybody that's close to him, LeBron, the Knicks and LeBron, LeBron was, you know, the Knicks was LeBron's first option, according to everybody Bill Simmons has talked to. Now, I've, you know, I've been listening to some shows. Stephen A came out and said, hey, Stephen A, now, that's the one guy I know that he was on the story. And Stephen A came out earlier this week and said, hey, I was on the story, on the scene. He first, Stephen A was actually the guy, he was, he, he was, he was the person that broke the story to LeBron going to Miami. LeBron had announced it on the decision on that day, but prior to that, Stephen A was putting together, he, you know, Stephen A came out with a report and said, hey, LeBron is going to South Beach and teaming up, teaming up with D-Wade, uh, Chris Bob, or well, supposed to be Carmelo Anthony. But Carmelo Anthony, he signed the five-year deal with the Denver Nuggets. He got the money. But with him, with Carmelo signing that five-year deal, it, it didn't, it, he wasn't eligible to be a free agent in 2010. So ultimately, Chris Bosh from Toronto came down to Miami with LeBron and D-Wade. So Stephen A. reported that story. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Because he was the guy, he was, he was the guy, he was the person on the scene with the story. And he first broke it. He, he, he first broke the story. He had the story first. And like he said, people are going to have, you know, their stories. People are going to knock on, you know, people just... They're not gonna tell the full truth, but Stephen A. broke the story, and him with LeBron going to South Beach with D Wade or you know Chris Bosh or Melo, but Melo has signed a long term deal, which didn't make him eligible for you know to be a free agent. But I want to give props and credit where credit is due. He first broke the story, but the reason why I'm bringing up this Bill Simmons, uh. State statement is this: the Knicks, the Knicks are just the Knicks are horrible. And you know, when Bill Simmons talked about LeBron being the Knicks being LeBron's first choice, which I already had clarified, Stephen A. broke the story that he was going to Miami anyway. But this just to entertain the fact that Bill Simmons brought up this statement. LeBron, so LeBron had a meeting with the Knicks. James Dolan was James Dolan. He did his he did his James Dolan type stuff. LeBron, the Knicks, the the the, the, the first meeting, initial meeting was bad. LeBron never LeBron never looked back. <laughs> Le, LeBron never been back. And the Knicks, they have bad ownership. And usually in sports, usually in sports, these big, the like the notable American sports teams. Go through droughts. The notable, like just about all of the notable American sport teams go through droughts. Um, the Packers won the first. The, the Packers won the first two Super Bowls. After that, in the seventies and the eighties, they the Packers weren't relevant. 
Uh, even the Cowboys, to this day, 25 years later, they have not won a Super Bowl. The Yankees in the mid in early, the in the mid to late eighties, all you know, in in the early nineties, the Yankees went twelve years without even making the playoffs. Uh, we, we you you see instances like this with Alabama. Alabama had a stretch; uh, they had an eighteen year stretch, and they had you know the Alabama football had went through numerous multiple coaches. They went Alabama went. 18 years. They went 18 years without winning a national title game. Uh, the Lakers, with, you know, those last years with Kobe, those the Lakers missed the playoffs for six years. Even some years in between that, before, you know, the, I, before the champion, the, like before Kobe's last two championships, the Smush Parker years with Kwame Brown, the Lakers had a rough stretch then. They had a dry spot. So, of all the big-time notable brands in sports go through droughts. They go through bad droughts. But this with the Knicks, and I often have this conversation and this debate with a friend of mine because he is a Knicks fan. And I, always, and I always tell him, I say, why do you continue to support the Knicks? They Because... It's not like, because with all those things, with all those teams that I mentioned, Alabama football and the Cowboys and the Packers uh, and the Yankees going through their drought and the Lakers going through their drought, those droughts were solvable droughts. Alabama just had to get the right coach. (laughs) Alabama had to get the right coach. That drought was solved. That drought was solved the moment they hired Nick Saban. They that Nick Saban, <laughs> he turned around, he turned around Alabama, and now Alabama, they're back on their stuff. They're back, they're back to where they used to be. The Yankees, you know, they get the right player, they get the right manager, they get the right GM, they get the right people in the front office. The Yankees, that's a solvable drought. The Lakers, they get a superstar player like LeBron. They get another superstar player like AD. That's a solvable drought. The Cowboys, you know, they got to They get the right. They get the right coach. They get the right quarterback. They're sometimes they they win a Super Bowl in in one of these years. I don't know if I don't know if Dak is the right. I don't know if Dak is the right quarterback. But they it's a but the Cowboys is solvable. With the Knicks, it just it's just not solvable. Because no matter how many, I mean, the Knicks have tried literally everything. The Knicks have tried hiring Isaiah Thomas, hiring Phil Jackson, going after Carmelo Anthony, going after Chauncey Billups, Amari Stoudemire. I mean, the the, the name of list, the, the just the names on the list, just they just get longer and longer and longer. They they tried to go at the Andrea Bargnani. They have tried the, they have tried everything. They had Marcus Camby. They had Nate Roberts. They had everybody. The Knicks have tried everything. And it just has not worked out. And it's not solvable because they have a bad owner in James Dolan. They have a bad owner in James Dolan. They have a bad owner in James Dolan. Yeah, I mean, it's just as simple as that. 
They have tried everybody in the front office. Phil, I mean, Phil Jackson, won, he, won a, he won a title with the Knicks as a player. Won ele- he won 11 championships with the Bulls and the Lakers as a coach. They put him in the front office. He didn't work out. And yeah, Phil was a bit older, but like you had Phil Jackson, Isaiah Thomas. You, you've had all of these people. I mean, the Knicks have tried everything. They traded away Kristaps Porzingis a couple years ago. It, they couldn't. They couldn't land Zion this past off season. The, the Knicks have tried everything, and let's just be honest. You know, everybody likes to talk about, oh, it's Madison Square Garden. Oh, it's New York. That whole new, like that whole the Knicks playing in New York. That's their saving grace. But even with them playing in New York, and New York being such a big stage in such a big market, I, and I don't even think big is the right word to describe New York as a market, but it's such a big market. But even, even New York being such a huge market, it's still not the Knicks saving grace. Because, yes, economically, Playing in New York would help you. But why would you want to put your career in the hands of an owner such as James Dolan? And let's just be honest. What's the Knicks brand? Their brand, it's not a cool brand. The Knicks brand is not cool. It's not. They, 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 they don't have, they haven't won any titles. They haven't been relevant. They haven't made the playoffs and since God know when. It seems like, I mean, I remember that Carmelo Anthony team with J.R. Smith and Raymond Felton and Tyson Chandler and Amari Stoudemire and Jason Kidd and Steve Novak. I remember that Nick team. And they went to the playoffs and they got to the second round and they, they lost to the Indiana Pacers. But after that, the Knicks have just gone, they, they just and they've just been irrelevant. They've been they've just been irrelevant. And what what is their brand? What is their brand? And I think Kevin Durant explained it the best. I think he explained it the best. The best. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys hear this clip. Let me get the clip. I think a lot of fans look at the Knicks as a brand and expect these younger players who in their in their lifetime. Don't remember the Knicks being good. I didn't grow up with the Knicks. Well, I seen the Knicks in the finals, but kids coming up after me didn't see that. So like that whole brand of the Knicks to them is not as cool as let's say the Golden State Warriors or even the Lakers or the Nets now. You know what I'm saying? It's like the cool thing right now is not the Knicks. That's my point. The cool thing about right now, it's not the Knicks. The Knicks are not cool. And, you, you know, people say, oh, it's Madison Square Garden. It's just something special about the arena. Okay, but the damn product that's in the arena, the product that they put on the floor is not good. It's not good. And he alluded to it. Yeah, he grew up and he saw the Knicks go to the finals. But after that, it was a bunch of crap. And the generation that he's referring to, it's my generation. I'm 18. I'm 18. It is 2020. I was born in 2001. The Knicks have not been good. 
and I don't remember the next being good. I don't. I don't remember the next being good. I can literally point out one year where they got to the second round of the playoffs. But after that, it's like, uh, they've just been a bunch of trash. They've just been crap. And, after, and then since then, they've just been really bad. They've been really bad. They have 23 last place finishes. 23. 23 last place finishes in only eight division titles. I mean, they are bad. This is the epitome of bad. They're not as cool as the Lakers. They're not as cool as the Warriors. And now, quite frankly, they're not as cool as the Nets. They're not as cool as the Nets. And it's not a solvable, it's not, it, it seems like with James Dole as the owner, and he has, and it seems like he has no interest in selling, it's not a solvable matter. It's just not. It's not a solvable matter because he's the owner. And when you have bad ownership, you can see it all throughout, you can, you can see it all throughout sports. The Detroit Lions, bad ownership, bad ownership. The Browns, and the Browns, bad ownership. When you have bad ownership, it is it's not solvable. It's a hard it's not solvable. You know, rest in peace to the late great Al Davis. But in his later years, with him when in his later years, when he owned the Raiders, in his later years, the Raiders were bad. The Raiders was bad. They were bad. And it's and like I said, rest in peace to Al Davis, but he wasn't a great owner as he aged. It's just the fact of the matter. He was not a great owner as he aged in his later years. And as you can see it, Alabama, solvable. Michigan, solvable. Brady Hulk wasn't a great coach. Brady Hulk, he, he, he won six games a year at Michigan. Michigan. All Michigan had to do was hire the right coach. They hired the right coach, and now Michigan is back to where they are. It's, Michigan is back to where they belong. A 10-win team, you know, they, they're, they're pretty good. They're not as good as Ohio State, but they're, they're, they're better than most. That's what Michigan is. Alabama, they, all they had to do was hire the right coach. They get the right kids in there. They, they're back at the top of college football. The Lakers, all they had to do was hire the right GM or – not in their case, but go after star players. That's what they got. They got LeBron AD. They're back on the map. The Lakers are the number one team in the Western Conference. Yankees get the right players, get the right manager, get, get the right GM in the front office. They're back at the top. They're back as one of the better um, American League teams in America and, and just, be, just one of the better baseball teams in the league. So it, the, those droughts are solvable. But this Knicks... This Knicks thing is not solvable. And I would encourage people, if you are a Knicks fan, um, stop supporting them. Stop going to the games. Like, I know, like, they always say, oh, something special about MSG. Stop going to the games. So stop going to the games. Stop supporting them. I always, I always get into a debate with my friend about this. He's a Knicks fan. Stop supporting them. If they're that bad, if they drive you that crazy, stop supporting them. Yes, the, the NBA would be much better if the Knicks were better. Yes, it would be much better if they were better. But they're not good. And I don't see them getting good no time soon. I don't see them getting good no time soon. LeBron, you know, according to ben, Bill Simmons, 
LeBron was the last superstar player that wanted to go to the Knicks. And, um, you know, I don't even know if he wanted to go there. Kevin Durant declined him. Kawhi didn't even mention him. <laughs> Kawhi didn't even mention him. So if you're a Knicks fan, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you. But like, like Katie said, his generation, the generation after him, my generation, the Knicks have been irrelevant. And what is their brand? Like, if, if, they, if the Knicks do have a brand, it's not a good one. It's a bunch of losing and coming in last place. That's what it is. That, that, that's what it is. That, 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 is, that is their brand. Their brand is not winning if they do have a brand. That's if they have a brand. Because I don't even know if they have a brand. But if they do have a brand, it's a losing brand. It's them being losers and coming in last place. So if you are a Knicks fan and you feel defended, don't be offended by me. Be offended by owner James Dolan. Plus, he didn't handle the Black Lives Matter situation all that well. Uh, he's just uh, he's just a he's just he's a wreck. He's a wreck and he's a mess and he's a bad owner. And when you have bad ownership, you can you can hire whoever you want. You can draft whatever quarterback. You can draft whatever whatever star you want out of college as a point guard. You can draft whoever. When you have bad ownership, you're you're not gonna be good. You're not gonna be good. And and vice versa can be said. When you have good ownership, you're gonna your team's gonna be solid. Your team's gonna be solid when you have good ownership. <laughs> It's, just, it's the simple matter. It's a simple matter. When you have bad ownership, mm, you're going to be bad. Your team's going to be bad. When you have solid ownership, your team's going to be pretty good and pretty solid most times. That's just the fact of the matter. That's just the fact of the matter. Um, I'll be back after the break. I got a top 10 list for you guys. I got to have a top 10 list for you guys. I'll be back after the break. It's a top five list. So now I seen this um this list about coaches, top coaches in the league. And I thought about this. So let's think. I am a let's just say I'm a GM or I'm an owner. I'm a GM and an owner, and I got this, I got this football team, and I'm now I'm about to hire my coach. I have the top I have my top 5 coaches that I would hire. But but there is a criteria. There's a criteria to this. So my criteria would be first age. I always I always just look at the fact and I'm 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 sometimes mesmerized by the fact that the Steelers in their long winning history, the Steelers have had three coaches. Three coaches. They've had three coaches in their history, in their team history. I want to be like the Steelers. 
I want to be like the Steelers. I want to only have, I, I, I don't want a lot of go. I don't want to go through a lot of coaches every several years. I want stability at my coaching position. So age does matter. Now somebody like Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, Andy, those guys are a little bit older. They're, they're in their 60s. They're older. So I got guys that are much, not, not much younger, but I got guys that are younger. I pick coaches that are younger. Some of these coaches are very young, but I have coaches that are younger. I want to, I want, I want to keep this coach for eight to ten years. I, that's that's the longevity that I'm talking about. The second criteria is I don't want no controversy. I don't want a coach that has baggage. So, you know, Pete Curl's a great coach. He's done he he was a great coach at USC. He was a great he's a he's a good coach at Seattle. But I don't want, you know, I got a new football team. I don't want to have to answer questions about Pete Curl and, you know, that stuff uh and that you know that USC stuff. Uh a guy like Sean Payton with, you know, he has his controversy and, you know, the things he's done and said, you know, I I don't want to ask questions like that. Bill Belichick too. You know, he has this little controversy with his his spy gate and uh now filming gate. Now, you know, I I don't want to I don't want no controversy. Then I would prefer the next thing on my criteria list is I would prefer an offensive-minded coach. Not all of these guys on this list are offensive-minded, but most of them are. So out of these five guys, most of these guys are offensive-minded. I want an offensive-minded, an offensive, innovative coach. An offensive, innovative coach. That I, I, that's what I want because the game is moving in in the offensive direction. It's more it's gravitated towards offensive schemes, offensive system, offensive minded coaches, and I and also I want a guy that can develop my quarterback. And then lastly is 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 he relatable? Is he relatable? Is he relatable? I want a guy that's relatable to the players, to the current players, to this generation. Guys that can relate to this generation. That's what I want. That, that, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That is what I'm looking for. Now, let's start it off with an honorable mention. My honorable mention is Brian Flores. I like Brian Flores. Brian Flores is 39 years of age. He's um he's a he's a disciple of of Bill Belichick. He's one of Belichick assistants. Now I know Belichick has I know a lot of Belichick's almost all of them, all of his assistant coaches have not had great success. All of his past coordinators have not had success. But I think Brian Flores, out of all of those, out of a lot of those guys in recent history, I think he has he has copied Belichick. The best. What he what he did this this past offseason with the with the salary cap and with that Dolphins roster, he went out, acquired him, he went out and acquired him a really good corner in Byron Jones. He went out and, and, and he, he spent money on the defense. He spent money on the defense. He went out and retooled his offensive line and he drafted his quarterback. But also, Miami finished off the season five and four. Now, you know, early on in the season, 
Everybody was saying, oh, Miami, this Miami team might be the worst team in league history. Well, no. Miami had a bunch of second, a bunch of second stringers and a bunch of practice squad guys. They had a lot of backups and practice squad guys on the field. Now they will have legit starters. They got some, they got a little bit, they got some, they got some veterans in there that know how to play, that's been playing this league for a long time. I think Brian Flores is a non, he's a he's a no-nonsense guy. He 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 does not deal with the BS. He's a no-nonsense guy. So I had to put him in my honorable mention. Now let's go. Top five. This is my top five. I'm an owner, I'm a GM, and I'm putting and I'm this is that I have my criteria that I already listed. And these are my five coaches, including Brian Flores. He's my honorable mention. Well, these are my five coaches that I would hire. <clears throat> my top five coaches that I would hire. At five, I have Urban Meyer. Yes, Urban Meyer. Now, Urban Meyer, he, 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 you know, he walked away from Ohio State. But Urban Meyer might be the second greatest college football coach of all time behind Nick Saban. I think in some part, some people would probably argue that, but I think he is the second greatest college football coach of all time. He's one of only three college football coaches to win multiple national champion to win national championships at multiple schools. The only the other two that did it is Nick Saban and Pop Warner. At, I think Urban Meyer. He's in his mid fifties. He's 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 been dealing with college kids. He's obviously relatable to the players. He'll be relatable to the players. He doesn't carry no baggage, no controversy. I think Urban Meyer, he's been fishing around the NFL. He's been searching around the NFL. I think sooner or later he will get a job, even whether it be in the NFL or a co- or in college. But I think sooner or later, I don't think he's just he's in his mid fifties. I don't think Urban Meyer just ends his career in the booth or in broadcasting. I think he gets another coaching gig, and I would hire him. Um, my next guy on my list, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is 48 years of age. He's so so he's relatively young. The, he's not as old, he's not as older, he's not as old as um Belichick and Andy Reid. And I have nothing against those guys, but it's just that I want long-term stability. So with Mike Tomlin. He's in his late 40s. Mike Tomlin, I, I, I get on him a lot because in the, in, the, in, the fact, in the past years when he had Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and all these receivers for Ben Roethlisberger, I often got on him about how his defenses didn't seem prepared, his lack of preparation for playoff games, especially against New England and Belichick. I didn't think he was the most detailed, but you cannot argue the fact that he is a great players coach, he is relatable. He he can he can relate to players. He can also handle some drama. He can handle some drama. Mike Tomlin can handle some drama. He's had some players in the past that have just been shaky in the locker room. It has never deterred the team. I think he can handle drama. Also, get this: Mike Tomlin, since he's been the Steelers coach. Since he's got since he's been hired by the Steelers, Mike Tomlin had the he has the second most wins by any coach. Second most wins since he's been hired. Right behind Bill Belichick. Got a couple Super Bowl titles. Uh he, he wins division. Uh, he's won a division um multiple times. 
He dominates his rivals. He has multiple. He has he has eight ten win seasons. I think out of out of the thirteen seasons he's been coaching Pittsburgh, eight of those seasons have been double digit wins. So you're getting a guy that's consistent. He can win ball games. He's relatable. He's not offensive minded, but he's relatable and he can handle some drama. And he he, has, he just has a good track record with the Steelers. I would want Mike Tomlin. The next guy I would have Lincoln Riley at three. At yeah, at three. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. He is. He's probably the best of young offensive mind in college football. He. I mean, the the schemes that he draws up for his quarterbacks, for his receivers, for his offense in general at Oklahoma. I think it's unmatched by any program in college football. I mean, the production that he gets from his offense, um, it, it, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And he is a smart, he's smart and he's detail-oriented. Now, um, I, got on, I get on Mike Tomlin a lot because of his lack of details. But Lincoln Riley is detail-oriented. I like it what he does offensively. And if I was the Cowboys, I would have made a stronger push for Lincoln Riley if I was the Cowboys. I would made I would have made a stronger push for the for, for Lincoln Riley because he's right in your region. He can he he know he has a history. He has like get this this I think this is the best thing about Lincoln Riley. He has a history of developing quarterbacks. Like he can take any type of quarterback and he he makes them. I mean, great. I mean, now granted, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and Baker they're they're talented guys, but his system certainly helps them, and it certainly takes their play to the next level. Baker, Kyler Murray, Jalen, Jalen Hurts was benched at Alabama. Jalen Hurts was benched. He was, a, he was benched at Alabama. He goes to Oklahoma. He was a Heisman candidate, and he was a second-round draft pick. Kyler Murray, number one draft pick. Baker Mayfield, number one draft pick. Like, the, like he has a history he has a history of developing and making quarterbacks better. And that's what I would want. Offensive-minded, check. Um, age, check. No controversy, check. And he's relatable to the players. And plus, he'd be a big benefit to my quarterback. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, Lincoln Rowley, I think, he's the, I think he's the smartest and the best offensive mind in college football today. I think I, up to date, I think he is. Um, next on my list at number two, I would have Doug Peterson. I would have Doug Peterson, Philadelphia Eagles coach. I would have Doug Peterson. He's in his early fifties. He would, oh, also with Lincoln Riley. Get this before I go on Doug Peterson with Lincoln Riley. Get this three years ago, Oklahoma hired Lincoln Riley after Bob Stoops left. Bob Stoops left. Lincoln Riley got hired. Lincoln Riley in his first three years, he's had the best record ever at Oklahoma in his first three years. His first three years, he's had the best record ever at Oklahoma. That includes Burry Switzer. That includes Bob, that includes Bob Stoops. That, that that includes everybody. He's had the best. He's had his, he's had the first. He had the best first three years at Oklahoma ever by any coach. But let's do, let's move on to number two. I had Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson 
great offensive mind, innovative offensive mind. He's a, he's a disciple of Andy Reid. He was under the Andy Reid coaching tree. He outcoached Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl a couple years back. Um, big game coach. He is a really, he's a good big game coach. Any big game, any big time game Philadelphia plays in, they're ready and they're, they're well coached. I like the Eagles. Um, I like Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has really taken that Eagles organization upward. He's increased their, their, their value. I mean, I'm, I'm sold on the Eagles in this. uh, Some of that has to do with management. Some has, some of that has to do with Carson Wentz and his talent. But Doug Peterson is such a great offensive mind, and he's a big game coach. Like I said, early 50s, um, he's, he's, he's overcome a lot. Like, that's what the NFL is about. It's about overcoming a lot. And Doug Peterson overcomes a lot. Overcomes bad, bad, you know, bad receiving core, banged up secondary, banged up quarterback, you know, a mixture of running backs. Uh, the, the emergence of Nick Foles, the emergence of Carson Wentz. He overcomes a lot, and he continues to win ball games. I like I, I like Doug Peterson. Also, he is one of four players to win a Super Bowl as a player and a coach. He's one of four. He's one of four people to win a Super Bowl as a coach and a player. I think that's. I think he's phenomenal as a coach. I would definitely take him. And then as my number one option. The coaches that I would hire if I had a team, following my criteria, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, he's 40. Uh, Now, I know he has the two Super Bowl meltdowns with Atlanta and and, and last year with the 49ers. I know he has the two Super Bowl meltdowns, but he's a great offensive mind. He, he he has a system that can be tweaked. He can he can plug in, plug out players as they go in his, into his system. But he can he can but you know John Lynch he can he can get away. Kyle Shanahan can get away from that, and he can listen to John Lynch. He can listen to his quarterback. He can change up his system. is very flexible. He's very flexible with his system. He's a winning coach. Uh, he doesn't have a winning record, but. But when he has the right pieces around him, he's a great coach. He can get you to the Super Bowl. Now all he has to do is now get over the hump and win that Super Bowl. Um, he has playoff experience. His dad was a great coach. He grew up around the game. So I think that helps them. I think that gives him an edge. But with Kyle Shanahan, I, I said it, I've said it on multiple occasions, even after the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan has this reputation of, oh, yeah, he's a great offensive mind. He's a great play caller. His system, his, his zone scheme running system, is, it, it, it's perfect. But he has to get over the hump. And, that's the, he, and now Kyle Shanahan, has, he has become the Andy Reid of this generation. He's the Andy Reid of, of this generation. Before Andy Reid won a Super Bowl, Andy Reid was just looked at as a great coach that won a lot of regular season games. But usually underperform, underachieve in the playoffs, a great offensive mind can draw up some great offensive schemes and systems and plays, but underachieve in the postseason. That is Kyle Shanahan now. Kyle Shanahan, great coach. He can get you to the playoffs. 
He wins a lot of games, but he has to get over the hump to win the Super Bowl. So those are my top five coaches following my criteria. My criteria. My criteria, it, it, it includes age, because I, I, I want stability at my coaching position. I don't want to hire Bill Belichick, and then three years later, he retires, and he gets older. I don't want to do that. Also, so age matters. Then I, want, I don't want no controversy. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want no controversy. I don't want no scandals. So like Sean Payton, Belichick, I don't want no scandals. And then I would prefer an offensive-minded coach. I want an offensive-minded coach. I would prefer an offensive-minded coach. And then, lastly, I want a guy that's relatable to the players, that's relatable to this up-and-coming generation. That's what I would do. Um, so this is my last topic of the day. Um, this report came out yesterday about Bradley Bill. This report been out for a while, but now, uh, there's a three team, there's currently a three team trade that's being, that's being discussed, uh, between the Hawks, the Nets and the Wizards. Now, you know, what I think, you know, Brad, he, Bradley Bill is a great scorer. He's a great two way guy. He's. He's turned himself into a great two-way player. Um, his ball handling skills have come a long way. His his creating his own jump shot has cre- has come a long way because he's always been a great jump shooter, a great catch and shoot guy. But he has these last few years he has extended his game and his offensive repertoire. So. Bradley Bill is definitely a, a, a he's definitely one of those 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 shooting guards, those two guards that are top of the league, definitely. Um behind behind uh Harden and Clay, Bradley Bill is right there. And I think he's he's I think he's good enough to be a second player, a second star on a championship winning team. I think he's that good and he's that talented. But here's the thing. And I know there's a lot of I think I know there's a lot of Wizards fans that listen to this podcast. In the NBA, and I, I I made this statement multiple times on this podcast, but in the NBA, as far as a team, the worst place you can be at as a team, especially in the NBA, especially in the NBA, the worst place you can be at as a team is Yes, you're good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not good enough to win a round or two or to get to the finals. But you're also not bad enough to tank and get and get a good pick. And that's what and that's where the Wizards are. They're not in the playoff. I mean, they're not in the top eight within the Eastern Conference right now. But when John Wall comes back next year, when John Wall comes back next year and the Wizards keep this squad together, with them being at ninth place and John Wall, no matter how, like, let's just say John Wall, let's just say John Wall comes back and let's just say he's not an all-star, but let's say he averages 15 and 8. Let's say John Wall averages 15 and 8. And some of you guys might argue that's an all-star, but I don't know. Let's but let's just say he's not an all-star. Let's just say he's not at his all-star level that he was that we, that he was once at. And let's say he averages 15 and 8. That would be good enough in the Eastern Conference 
with the with the Wizards and the way how Bradley Beal has elevated his game, that would be good enough for the Wizards to get into the playoffs. Now, that would not be good enough if with this current Wizards roster, that would not be good enough to win them a round or two. Like they they wouldn't I don't I don't even think they would get to the second round or, you know, less be it the finals or the conference finals. I don't even get I don't even think they'll get that far. So they're good enough to make the playoffs. But they're not they're not bad enough where they are able to tank and get a low pick. Well, you have John Wall who's coming off a list of, of a list a list of just hard injuries to recover from. He's coming off a torn AC a, a, a torn Achilles. And he's had multiple, he's had a multitude of knee procedures. So John Wall, his game is reliant upon, based upon his speed and his, and his athleticism. John Wall has never been a great jump shooter. His game is based upon speed and athleticism. If John Wall, if he comes back and he's 15 and 8, his trade value is probably not going to be as high it's not going to be as high as Bradley Bills. So if you don't trade Wall or trade Bill, you're going to be stuck. As a Wizards fan, you're going to be stuck. And as the Wizards, they're going to be stuck. They're, the Wizards are going to be stuck. It's as simple as that. They're going to be stuck. They're going to be stuck. So you gotta. So you have to make a move. In trading one of these star players because Bradley Bill takes up a lot of cap space and John Wall he signed a max contract and he takes up a lot of a lot of cap space. So when you have two guys that are taking up a lot of your cap space, it makes it very difficult for you to remove and sign somebody else or to put better players around them. And it's bad enough that you're not getting good draft picks. You're not getting a lottery pick. So you can't, you can't really build from the draft. And due to your two-star players that are taking up a lot of your cap space, you can't go out and spend money to put the right players around them. So that leads to you happening to trade one of your star players. Bradley Beal has greater value right now. You can get more from you can get more from trading Bradley Beal. As simple as that. As simple as that. You can get more for trading Bradley Beal than you than you would with John Wall. Now, what the Wizards do and what they get for Bradley Beal, that's up to them. Like that's up to the front office. That's what they get paid to do. Like I'm, I, I'm not gonna tell you what the Wizards should do, but well, I'm not gonna tell you what the Wizards should request for Bradley Beal. I'm not gonna tell you that because that's their job. They, the Wizards GM, the Wizards front office has to handle that. But in the situation that the Wizards are in, it's the toughest situation to be in in in, in the NBA. In that middle section, I hate it. I hate when teams. Especially like the Wizards, because I see, I, you know, I know a lot of them listen to this podcast, and I just hate 
when teams are stuck in that middle where they're good enough to sneak into the playoffs, but they're not good enough to win a round or two, or they're not, or they're just not finals contenders. And they can't contend for the Eastern Conference. But they're not bad, they're not bad, they're not bad enough where they can tank and get lottery picks. It's the toughest position to be in in the NBA. It is. Quite frankly, it's the toughest position to be in in the NBA. It is. Um, so with, with, with John Wall and with Bradley Beal, uh, you know, all to all the Wizards fans out there, I wish you guys the best. But this is it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to come down to a move where you trade Bradley Beal, you're trading one of your stars to relieve some of that cap space and to restart from there. Gonna have to restart from there. You know, I know, you know, I know this city, I know their fan base have fell in love with that backcourt with Wall and Bill, and they have their ups and their downs. And I know, you know, I know you guys, you guys love you guys some Bradley Bill and John Wall together. But you're stuck. You're stuck in the middle. Because let's just be honest. Let's just John Wall averages 15 to 8. Bradley Bill's doing what he's doing. That's not going to be good enough to beat Milwaukee if they keep Giannis. That's not going to be able to beat. That's not going to be able to. That's not good enough to beat the Celtics in Miami and whatever Miami does. That's not good enough. That's not going to be good enough. It's just not going to be good enough. And there's, you know, Toronto is still a, a, a still a really good team in the Eastern Conference. So it's just not going to be good enough. And that's where you have to make. Those tough decisions, those tough moves, that's why they get paid the big bucks. That is why they get paid the big bucks, to make those type of decisions. I, you know, I, I, think, I, I think Bradley Beal is super, is super talented, and I think he can really help uh, a contending team. And I think he's wasting his time. I think he's wasting his time with the Wizards because John Wall is barely healthy. Then they can't really put the pieces around him. You know, it's just a bad mixture. It's a bad mixture. So, you know, I, I hope I hope the best for the Wizards fans. But I posted on the I posted the rumor I posted the story on the uh, Isaiah Kid Pod Instagram page, and it went crazy. You know, a couple people was in the comment section, a couple Wizards fans in the comment section. It was going, you know, they were they were just stating their opinion, and their opinions weren't necessarily wrong. But the Wizards are in a tough spot, and I think they're in the toughest. Like I said, I'm a, I'm gonna reiterate it again. <laughs> the Wizards, teams like the Wizards, they are they are in the toughest spot in the NBA that they can be in because you're in that middle section and you don't have enough cap flexibility to, to you know to spread the wealth and go get players and free agency and then the draft you're not your draft pick isn't that great like you don't have a lottery pick so you know it's just a tough position to be in. That you know that the Wizards are in. It's a tough position, so I hope they figure that out. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in again to another episode of the IKP, episode one thirty four. Thank you guys for continuing to listen to this podcast. Um, continue to stream this podcast on whatever uh, the you know whatever streaming platform that you listen to it on. Continue to do so. Spread the word. Um, I'm highly grateful and highly blessed for you. Um, 
just for the just the just for the simple fact that I know that people listen to this podcast. A lot of people listen to this podcast, and we continue to get back bigger as an audience. You guys continue to stick in there with me. Uh, you guys are interested in my sports, uh, my sports opinions and takes, and you guys continue on a weekly basis. You guys continue to click on it. So thank you guys. It means a lot. Um, this is the one year anniversary of the podcast. I know it's July the third, but um, you know July the you know the fourth is tomorrow. So that would be the one year anniversary of the Isaiah Kid podcast. So, you know, we, you know, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep posting. Keep keep the content rolling. Uh, I thank you guys once again. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Deuces. Peace. Thank you guys. Thank you. And I'm gone. Enjoy y'all weekend. Enjoy y'all weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy y'all weekend.